founded father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being the self-starter daughter through your union and the hope that you Hamilton. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we're going to talk about something that dropped on the internet in the last week that everyone is talking about. We're going to be talking about the Netflix reboot of Unsolved Mysteries for the next hour. <laughs> Can't wait. Going case, but no. Uh, today we're talking about Hamilton, which dropped last week on Disney+. Plus. Um, I think we're the first podcast to talk about Hamilton at all. Um, so yeah, uh, Hamilton's film version of the stage show finally dropped on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. There will be spoilers in this. If you don't have Disney Plus and want to know about Hamilton, just listen to the soundtrack because you get the whole show there. Yeah, <laughs> except for one part. One part is in the yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get into that. But Good. if you want to just get a general idea of of Hamilton, if you haven't heard it yet, go check it out. I highly recommend it. Mm. So that being said. Uh, this is kind of like a special episode because I don't think any of us had seen Hamilton on Broadway. Is that correct? Not Broadway. I saw it in Chicago. Okay. That, yeah. That, that doesn't count. That's, oh, then never you, mind. That's close enough for you, though. <laughs> yeah. So, close so, so Devin, Devin, you did see it on stage, though. I did. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, I have listened to the soundtrack like probably close to 200 times. Like It's just one <laughs> of those things I would put on when I'm working and just listen the whole way through. Um, because it, it gets me pumped and it has like a story and I like stories. That's why we do a podcast about movies so we can talk about story. (laughs) Um, and I just really like the music. Um, so that, that's my exposure to Hamilton. Devin, you saw it on, on stage in Chicago. Yeah. So I have a little bit of a story that goes along with this because I love my Chicago Hamilton story. Uh, I was at Chicago for a conference and I wasn't planning on seeing Hamilton, but it happened to be just below my hotel uh, at the theater. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see if they have, I think they're not, they're not will call tickets, but they're the people that canceled their tickets. They then resell them at a discount, Um, you know, like just to fill seats. So they have full shows. So I'm going to go see what's available. I was first one in line because I got there stupid early and I go up to the, the, like I ended up chatting with like people behind me. There was like a couple behind me. They had been going every day for a week to try to get tickets and hadn't gotten tickets. So I get called up first, obviously. And the guy goes, okay, I have two tickets and they're towards the back. Do you want them? I go, is that all you have? He goes, I can only tell you I have two tickets. And I'm like, I'm only one person. Let me give it to them. I go, you know what? I'm going to give it to the people behind me. If you have a single ticket, let me know. He goes, you know, that was a really good decision. Hold on. So I like <laughs> stood over there, like, stood on the side for a minute. He goes, all right, you get back up here. I go, yeah. He goes, all right, I got second row for 100 bucks. You want it? I'm like, yes, oh, God. yes, I want it. So I got second row for 100 bucks and got sweat on by the actors the whole time. It was great. 
Okay, we're going to come back to that later because I have a question for you Go that ahead. has to do with being in the in the front of the theater. Okay. Um, Ryan, what has your exposure to Hamilton been over the last four years? Um, when I worked for Walmart, I had a co-worker that would sing the songs to herself in the office, but... Um, and they weren't in order or full, so I mean, it's not like I got much of a story out of it. I, I I kind of know the Hamilton story simply because people would talk about it, and I decided to like do one of my late night one a.m. wiki like binges and read about Hamilton um, and like who he was. So that's the first time I actually like learned anything about him truthfully. So I kind of like I figured it was like a biography type thing, which it ended up being. So. Like, I kind of knew what was coming, but that's been my exposure to it. Okay. <laughs> Devin, have you read the book that Hamilton is based on? I have not. Okay. Me neither. So we can't really talk about the historical accuracy to to the book. Um, I, I will say, like, the Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr thing gets referenced a lot in pop culture, and that's mainly the reason I know about it. <laughs> like, I mainly only know... Aaron Burr shot uh, Alexander Hamilton because of Lazy Sunday on SNL. <laughs> Good. You can call me Aaron Burr, by the way. I'm dropping Hamiltons. Oh, I like that. Um, but yeah, I don't remember them teaching about Alexander Hamilton in school at all, which I think is part of the reason they made this musical. Well, yeah, because, I mean, y- 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 you get you get the big ones. You know, you get the, you know, like Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. But how many signers on the Declaration of Independence were there? Like 25, something 30, like that. So something like yeah. that. And I can only name like if somebody if somebody told me that I could win a million dollars by naming 10 of those names, I would not be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. Like, I know the big ones, but, like, I think up until this musical, all I really knew about Hamilton was he was the guy that got shot in the duel. Like, I didn't yeah. know his contribution to, like, the American banking system. I didn't know his contribution to, um, oh, man, like, Fo- anything. Founder of the New York Post. I um, only knew the banking thing and a few things because of, like I said, I went on, like, one of my 1 a.m. wiki binging trips, and I read through and I read through his, like, history thing. So I knew that he was married. I knew that he had an affair. Um, I knew that one of the founding fathers had an affair. I just didn't know which one. And I knew that it caused him a chance at the presidency. That was a History Channel special that I watched when I was in middle school that I absorbed. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing, that, the, the two things that I do that do ring a bell in this show, history-wise, from like high school, are the Federal, Federalist Papers yeah. and the Reynolds pamphlet. Like, I don't yeah. know why we talked about the Reynolds pamphlet, <laughs> but I know that I learned about that at one point. Well, the main thing I remember from the history class that covered the Revolutionary War was that we watched Mel Gibson in The Patriot. <gasps> I remember that. Yeah, I'm starting to realize that a lot of history that I learned through middle school and high school was just U.S. fan fiction. So I'm just revamping everything I've learned and restudying at this point. <laughs> it's a really smart idea, though. Because, I, mean, I mean, and to be fair, right now, Hamilton, the musical, is getting a little bit of crap right now because it's also kind of fan y Well, yeah, it is. But at, at this, like, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay, good. <laughs> so 
I think we've established that Devin and I have been fans of Hamilton for a while now. Yes. Ryan, since this was your first time seeing Hamilton from beginning to end, what did you think? I'm dying to know. You're dying to know? Yes. Okay. I liked it. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I could understand the obsession with it because it was this new thing. Um, but, like, I, I don't know. It's good. It's great. I would have much rather them have made a film version of this that was done for film and not just film them on the stage. Like, I get it. I get why they did it, and I'm happy that they did it. Um, but I would have rather have saved that experience for, you know, actually seeing it on stage and them have done like a, I don't know, um, both of you guys have seen the live action Beauty and the Beast, right? Yeah. Sadly, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, the beginning part where she, where she's singing through the village and yeah. it's like a soundstage, but it's yeah. done for film and not for a live audience. I would have liked something like that for this. Same actors, you know, and everything. But then again, I understand why they did it this way and and all of that. I just would have liked it better that way. You bring up a good point. Like from the beginning of listening to this soundtrack, I was like, how are they going to ever make this a film adaptation? And just listening to the show, it's kind of hard to interpret how that would happen. Uh, Watching it, though, like I don't think there's a good way to do this justice by making it uh, a feature film in the standard Hollywood fashion. I think there is so much interpretive, so much like alternative, like interpretive dance and things happening with the turntable on stage, the way they have everything set up that I think you would lose a lot of that in the standard film format. Like, I don't think, I don't think you can get away with the bullet at, in the end of the duel, like you do in the adaptation. Well, you, there's a way to do it, but I think Devin would hate it uh, personally. So what I would do with the duel is that Mm -hmm. you would have, again, it would be like a modern, you know, the way that they would, you know, the the way that they shot Wizard of Oz with the painted backdrop, you know, showing distance. And, you know, like, obviously you can tell that they're filming on a soundstage and not outside, but it's for the feel of it, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's stage actors and that's their element. Um, you would have it so it would be a 3D room, and as soon as the trigger gets pulled, you still go through all of those monologues, you go through all of those memories he had, you go through mm-hmm. him going through his thing, but the bullet and the uh, the bullet is in slow-mo. And every now and then when the camera pans around in a circle around what's going on, you see the bullet slowly hitting him. That's how I would do it. My problem with that is you lose the whole death character of this show. Yeah. Like the bullet character. But, okay, so, okay, but here, on a soundstage, I mean, in a play, yes, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, because you need somebody to hold the bullet because it's in slow-mo and you need to have something. It's like I saw a stage play when I was in high school when somebody got shot and they just pulled red ribbon out of them. Yeah. 
No, but she's in it way more than just that time, though. Well, yeah. So I, I, I know what you're saying. I don't see. I, I think this is the purest way to adapt this for film is to just film the stage show. And I don't, from what I understand, the intentions was not to release this like it was, or even in theaters. This was filmed for the PBS documentary for them to take clips from. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. According to IMDb. Um, but yeah, I think this is the best way to show it. Like they, they probably still will try to make it a feature film. But I don't know how much of the cast you can get back. So here and comes that's... a weird recommendation, though. Um, I think keep the sound clips that you have now. But back when Hamilton, the CD, and like when like you know the original cast was still on Broadway doing it, and before like it blew up into this whole huge thing, and Disney Plus released it, people started doing fan versions, and this sounds horribly nerdy. So hold on, people are doing fan versions of animations of these songs. And they're spectacular. Like, a lot of them are just rough sketches, but the ideas behind them are so good that I almost, if they do release it in any, any other format, I almost want it animated. Because I think that's the only thing that could retain the same types of themes that it does, the same kind of visual metaphors, and the same frenetic pacing, and make it feel like a real-life thing. Because I feel like if you just film real people doing this stuff, it's going to lose something. Yeah, I feel like it's too can it's too fast paced to be able to go from scene to scene in live action. But I feel like in animation you could get you'd it. almost get away with it. Yeah, like and you can do a a quick cool transition from the battlefield to the uh, like the capital. Yeah, and I think you could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, all uh, right. I, I mean, the thing is. I get what you're saying about mm -hmm. keeping it like, you know, like keeping up with the beats, keeping the themes in it, but you can still get that stuff across if yeah. you do it in certain ways. Like, okay, so you've got that one person who holds the bullet and she's in it for different things. Like, that's great. You can apply that to something else. If you want that person or that actress to be in there, you can apply her somewhere else in it. I, I just, I just think that it's, the way the turntable works with the choreography and the, the staging, I just think there it's a, it's hard to add up that adapt that for the screen. I think the best way to get the story as it is in its truest form is the way that we have it here on Disney plus maybe no, don't censor out all the fucks. Right. But that's Disney. I think this you. is the, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, they left one in, kind of. Yeah, kind of. So I wanted to know, so I saw this on stage, and yes. I talked to somebody who had also seen it on stage and then watched this, and I want to know this from you guys, because a lot of the reviews I've seen of this say the same thing. They say, this is probably the best version of it we're going to get, but I feel like it's missing something, and I wish I was there, and I feel like I'm missing being in the audience. Did you guys feel that? Because in all honesty, I don't think I did. I think that with the edits that they made to it and how they would, you know, show people's faces up close, I feel like it maintained some of that. I I don't think I missed out on that. Mm -hmm. Like, I get, I get that. And if the, when the world goes back to normal and this is shown in a theater, 
I'm going to go see this yeah. with a crowd because this is this is something that's meant to be seen with a crowd. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just want to be in that room where it happens. <laughs> I'm uh, so happy you did one. <laughs> um, I was looking forward to seeing this in theaters with people, but yeah. watching it at home on the third when it dropped, um, it was still immersive enough and. I like that they didn't rely on the crowd reactions from the shows that they recorded. I like that you just had them at the beginning and the ends of the acts to, to bookend the show. Um, Cause that was, that was just the right amount. Like I was worried that when he, they do the first, I'm like Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's going to have to pause for applause now. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't do that. Ryan, what did you think? I don't really think I missed anything. and in, in fact, I kind of enjoyed it better watching it on the screen because you could see facial expressions better. Um, yeah. There were, th- you know, the the skill of the performers. You got to see better than if you were to see it live. I can kind of see where somebody would say that you're missing out uh, on, on the atmosphere and getting everything, you know, like absorbing everything on stage because that's part of going to see a play like it's not just the two actors who are let's say in a fight it's also everybody in the background who's part of that mm-hmm. scene that makes it because they're moving and doing things that the director wants that adds to what's going on and when you're watching it on screen and they focus in on somebody's facial expression you might miss somebody else's reaction to what's going on in the background and that might change it a little bit so I can see where people would say that they're, you know, missing out on stuff when it comes to like the, mm-hmm. you know, the watching it on video. But I'd rather see like the king's facial expression and how he uses his eyes when he's going through his speeches. That was hysterical. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's that's the thing, too, is like it's it's so hard for me to say that I think that this is a great, you know, I don't think I missed out on anything because just in general, when with any live performance, the audience is part of the performance as well. You're getting energy from the actors. They're getting energy from you. Like you feel that the whole time. And, you know, in some ways I can see how that's not here, but I think that they they edited it well and they added enough little details that the average theater goer wouldn't have seen that I think this made some made it something special, even though you weren't there. And I yeah, think par- that, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Okay. And I think, and I think that's why I developed my like want for this to be a better film app, uh, um, to be better adapted for film because mm-hmm. they did those close up on the faces. That's where I'm thinking they could easily do a film adaptation of this. Instead of having a rotating floor, you have rotating cameras. I can see that. That's how I get seasick. Uh, <laughs> I'm um, just saying. <laughs> so I was a little bit worried about the audience. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, I was worried that they weren't going to have that energy from the crowd, but they still have it because they filmed it in front of a crowd. I wasn't sure how they did this com- completely, but they did do it in front of a crowd uh-huh. for the, in the, in the, uh, in the wide shots from the audience. But then they went back the, their, on their day off and did the close-ups with dollies and oh, and like did they really steady cams? Yeah, so oh. they they did some of it without a crowd, but you still get the same energy. Yeah, that's interesting, which I liked. So I wonder if they had All like right. a bunch of like families and friends show up to be in the audience when they did those close-ups or something. Moments. 
Possibly. Yeah. It might have just been like people standing outside for the ham for hams. <laughs> they, they're like, hey, come in and you get to see us do stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's break this down by acts. Great. Uh, Ryan, since you're the Hamilton virgin, uh, <laughs> what was your favorite musical number of the first act? Okay. Uh, I wrote some of this stuff down. Great. Just give me a second, pull up my notes. And just Devin, since you since you know it, yeah. what was yours? Wait for it. Okay. okay wait. Okay, so <laughs> Dang it. Okay, so I'm not sure exactly if these are in the first act or not, but mm-hmm. I okay. I wrote down two songs that stood out to me. Okay. And the first one was Rewind. Yeah. I, I don't know. One. I don't know what the names of the songs are, so I Satisfied. just satisfied Mm -hmm. so it's the one where she's like rewinding i have no idea which act that Mm -hmm. is but that was the first song to stand out to me that's act one yeah okay okay i think mine's nonstop. oh i always love the medley song and i i almost didn't want to say nonstop because it's the medley song and medley songs just get me every time okay if we're if we're not going with medley songs i'm gonna say um Uh, I'm drawing a blank. The whole Yorktown sequence of Yorktown. from yeah from from Lafayette jumping out and then history has its eyes on you to um, the world turned upside down like that whole stretch yeah like if I put that on I am super productive for the next fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, what stood out to you about the rewind song that you liked it so much? Just the way that it was choreographed, mm-hmm. everything about it, just they were doing things that only people at their skill set could pull off. Yeah. Of like her re going through the memories again, retelling the lines, um, the actors replaying the same emotions again, um, doing the same choreography again, like yes. right. staging and everything standing in the exact same place on stage. Like, that whole thing that and it tugged at me a little bit you'll find you'll find that the two songs that i wrote down i connected with and that's one that i connected with okay um but besides like music you know besides the song you know because i i have no idea what what the names of the songs are but Mm -hmm. um i really liked it when the part where hamilton meets the his 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 like future group of friends after Parr okay. yeah. walks him into the pub and he's there and he's doing exactly what he told them not to do. Yeah. And he was being loud and they start with, my shot. Yeah. 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 My shot. I really loved that interaction part. The song was good, but I liked that interaction where he meets them for the first time mm-hmm. more than I liked the song itself. My favorite part of that is the line your pants look hot and Hercules Mulligan just like flashes his leg to the audience. (laughs) So favorite first act character hands down is Hercules Mulligan, like always and forever. You know, I'm, I might have to say that he's my favorite in act two, two watching it. Yeah. Because James Madison does so much in the stage play that will, that you don't get in the soundtrack. Yeah. Like, there's so much visualization to his performance. Like, 
when he comes out, like, can we, can we get back to politics? And he's just like crying, like, please. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that was because that doesn't come across in the soundtrack. No. But like his performance of doing that and the, uh, which I wrote. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, that is such a, he's such a great performer though. And he really brings a lot to a role that didn't need to have a lot brought to it. It just needed to like come in at the right time. Yeah. My favorite character. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, ahead. My favorite uh, kick. uh, My favorite character in the whole thing was Lafayette. Yes. Well, I mean, actually, that actor in general, because he goes from Lafayette to crap. Jefferson. Jefferson Jefferson Davis. No. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson Davis. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. he goes to Thomas Jefferson, and just both roles he nailed. Like oh, I yeah. loved both of them. Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson Davis, both from the South. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, they both probably believe um, the same thing. They both probably. So I, so I feel like we need to talk about the um, the bright red elephant in the room that oh. is King George. Yes, he's spectacular. I mean, this was my favorite part of the whole thing. Well. Both of his speeches, especially okay. ex- especially when he slams his foot and it goes from blue to red. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's one of my favorite gags in this whole thing, which is so, like there is so much visually to this that I wasn't expecting. And that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen this show on stage mm-hmm. and I totally didn't watch a bootlegged version of this <laughs> at one point. <laughs> On a porn site. <laughs> <laughs> never. Never, never. Yeah, I never watched a video called uh, Founding Fathers Have Hot Kinky Sex. <laughs> and it just happened to have the same soundtrack as this. Oh, never happened. It. But there's so much in this that you don't get to see when just listening to it. And I'm so glad that they made this available for people to see. Mm-hmm. The theater kid in me is just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um <laughs> So, Devin, I have a question for you okay. since you did see this on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you, were, you said you had the s- second row seats. Yeah. Did ki- the King George that you saw spit and did it land on you? <laughs> he didn't spit nearly as much as this one did. And uh, no, it didn't land on me. But wow, I was shocked at this one because he like was drooling for a little while in some of the scenes. I was like, okay. It was good, Buzzfeed though. It is- yeah. Yeah. Buzzfeed is writing articles about it. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, yeah, it's as soon as I saw, it, I was like, "That's gonna be a meme," and then, and then it, it was. became a meme. So, all right. Uh, going back to like Hamilton basics, Ryan, what was your first introduction to Lin Manuel Miranda? Uh. That's a mixed bag because he kind <laughs> of fell into. I'm going to call me watching movies, listening to music, watching TV shows as my entertainment life. He fell into <laughs> my entertainment life all of a sudden. It was like I went to sleep one night. I didn't know who this guy was. And then I woke up the next morning and I realized he was in house. He did this. He did. Um. He uh, uh, he did Moana. He did a bunch of other stuff. And it was like overnight, he was like all over the place. Um, so I really it's really a hard 
and uh, it's actually really a hard question. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, that, that's a fine answer. Yeah. I remember him showing up on House. When? And when House is in the mental insu- mental hospital. Yeah. He's like the he's his friend buddy. that he makes on the inside. Weird. Yeah. yeah. He's his um, buddy. He re- helps him out. It's I, really good. It's really. Yeah, I remember him showing up. I was like, I like this guy. Like, I want to see more of him and stuff. And then, flash forward to ten years later. And Hamilton's here. Everywhere. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, Hamilton was like, like as soon as I, I, did, I think I remember seeing the, um, the poetry reading that he did of the opening number. I remember that House. too. Yeah. And I was like, this is interesting, but never really thought anything of it. And then it became a huge musical. I, when I first heard it, I was just like, oh, what a funny punchline. Because, like, it was built up as, like, oh, man, I'm talking about, like, I'm going to you know, do this rap about, like, the OG gangster. Or something. I forget how he, like, like framed it, but it was going to be this, like, really cool guy. And then the punchline of it was Alexander Hamilton. And it was funny. And I was like, ah, that was a funny joke that guy did. And never thought he would take it farther. And I'm happy he did. Yeah. Um, did you guys watch the follow up video that they had? No. With, okay, so I watched that. So, so I had the conversation with my wife. Like, I don't feel like watching a Zoom call right now. Like, yeah. I'm kind of Zoom called out as I, as we're on a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah. No. So it's not what like it's not bad because I hate those things too. And this is actually mm-hmm. not. It's really it's really not bad. It's done well. But anyway, the actor who plays Lafayette. They were going over and asking the different actors who were on it, you know, like, what did you think when you first found out what this play was going to be? Mm-hmm. And he admitted, he said, he was like, and they approached me about it and they told me it was going to be this hip hop, like, telling of Alexander, um, um, Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, this is sounds horrible. <laughs> and he asked if he was going to be paid for it. And they said, yes. And he says, fine, I'll show up. And he was not expecting what it to be. What? You know, he, 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 he was not expecting what it was going to be. All he knew was that it was supposed to be some hip hop play about one of the founding fathers. And he thought it was the dumbest thing he ever heard of until he actually showed up for it. <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> there are a lot of stories like that in the book Hamilton, the revolution, which is like a coffee table book that you can get. It has all the lyrics. So the songbook, and then like, uh, chapters on every aspect of the show, like the, the writing of the music, um, the choreography, how they came up with the, the turntable for the stage. Hmm. Um, highly recommend it. And if you want the audiobook, it's read by Mariska Hargitay. So, oh, wow. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to Act Two. Okay. Um, Devin, what's your favorite number from Act Two? That's tough, but it's going to be Cabinet Meeting Number One. Uh, okay. I always had a weird, like, I don't know, aspiration that me and someone else would learn the lyrics to that and then just bust that out in real life, and it never happened. But still there. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Good. We're doing it. Next time next time you're in town, uh, which part do you want? Oh, I'll take Thomas Jefferson. I already know it. Okay, I'll, I'll take Hamilton. Okay, good. 
Um, what was your favorite? Brian, how about my favorite yeah. was probably the ro- the room where it happens. It's oh, a good one. I, I just I love the back and forth between Burr and Hamilton and Jefferson talking about what happened and like the the juxtaposition of that and just it's so catchy. Agreed. Ryan, how about you? You said you had another song? Um, is Wait For It in Act 2? I'm not sure if that's the actual name of the song. Wait For It's Act 1. Phrase. It's, my, it's my favorite song in the whole yeah, thing. Those, I mean, like, all the other songs were great. And I liked them, and I liked the choreography. But these two songs I connected with on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And these two got me. And it just so happens that they were in the first half. In fact, <laughs> when the thing hit intermission, I had to pause it. I'm like, hang on a second. Like, I know there's more to them, but I feel like they've covered enough for a play. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, the same thing? I was genuinely shocked that, like, when I first heard the musical, I was like, okay, they got through the Revolutionary War. America is a country. That was it. That was the musical. And then I'm like, oh, they're going to talk about after it. Okay, well, it's going to be like one of those musicals that I only like the first act in then, I guess. And I think I like the second one almost better. It's even for me. Yeah. The second act is so much more emotional. Yes. Um, But so, Ryan, your two favorite songs, um, Satisfied and... Um, wait for it. We're both covered on the M- Hamilton mixtape, uh, which is a bunch of covers of songs. And so like the roots that you have playing over the, the credits is okay. in it, on it. Um, but I wanted to bring up uh, who does those covers because I think they're the one's okay. The one is fantastic. So um, wait for it is performed by Usher. Huh? And if you go to a certain grocery store at certain times in town, you can hear that played on the speakers there. <laughs> I love that. Um, the other one, I just lost it. Where to go? I want to make sure I get the names right. Um, Satisfied is performed by Sia with the rap part performed by Queen Latifah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that is amazing. That. I want to listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, I recommend the whole album. You've got um, John Legend doing "History Has Its Eyes on You." Oh wow! Um, see, the thing is, keep on going. I'll throw my thought a in shot, later. Ashanti and Ja Rule do their song from the from the show "Helpless" because that's pretty much just an Ashanti and Ja Rule song. Yeah, pretty much. Hang on, Ja Rule. Ja Rule, yeah. Like he, he doesn't do it as much in the in the in the film version, but on the soundtrack at the very end, Lin Manuel does like, as long as I'm alive, alive. Like he gets really into the Ja Rule yeah. voice, and you kind of lose it in, on this performance. But he wrote that song as a tribute to the Ashanti and Ja Rule songs of the early 2000s, and then <laughs> they did the cover of it for the mixtape. I was going to say, what rock did he crawl out of under? <laughs> um, it, must, it must have been a small rock, too, because he's kind of tiny. Oh, <laughs> poor little Johnny. But yeah, I, there, there's, Devin, if you haven't listened to the mixtape, I, I recommend it. Because there's uh, mixtapes of songs that weren't in the show. Like, there's a whole Valley Forge number. Oh, wow. 
um, a, a third cabinet battle. Ooh. So. Yeah, I was actually surprised that Valley Forge didn't make it into this because that was kind of pivotal. I mean, like even a reference. Like they didn't even reference Valley Forge in this. And I was surprised at that because... I mean, uh, they talk about eating their own horses. Yeah, I'm I know. Sure that was, was that Valley, Valley Forge? Forge? That was, but they also did that in other places too. Like that wasn't yeah. something that... I mean, like for that time and era... Horses were, you know, tools. They were also food. I mean, so, mm. I mean, like that. Yeah. I mean, was it um, George Washington um, had the, his Continental Army vaccinated from smallpox oh, wow. using cowpox at Valley Forge? I mean, like a, a big medical, you know, historical moment happened at Valley Forge. So I'm surprised that that didn't even get a reference. I mean. I'm just saying. The. the the historical accuracy of this is liberal just in the fa- case that you there's so much that you have to cut to make the story. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, like, the biggest example I can think of is um, Angelica Schuyler has a line, "I'm my father has no son, so I'm the one who has to try for one. Yeah. Like, she, they had brothers. Like, there were uh, Schuyler brothers, so. Oh, were there? Yeah. And like Lin-Manuel's like, it sounded better. Like (laughs) for the story that that he's trying to tell. So there, there were liberties taken, but I don't think it really affects it that much. Like to tell the story and make it more, a little bit more dramatic, like the broad strokes of history are there, but I don't like, if you're looking at a Broadway musical for spot on historical accuracy, Mm -hmm. I I think you're in the wrong place. Like read the book. I mean, in the, I don't want to bring up a lot of politics stuff, but it is getting a little bit of crap right now because of that, because it does opt to neglect certain parts of some characters in here that make them less than favorable characters. Well, okay. So in, in the book that I mentioned before Mm -hmm. the Hamilton, the revolution, Chris Jackson, who plays Washington talks about that. Oh, does he? Because at the very end, when they talk about, you could have done, you could have spoken out against slavery. Mm -hmm. He has a moment on stage. And if you look closely, you can catch it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, when they bring that up in the final number, he bows his head as a symbol of, I know this character was a slave owner, right. and this is how I'm going to address it in my performance. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you can't... Our country was founded by these guys. You cannot get around that. Yeah. And if you're going to try to tell the story of the founding in an entertaining way, you're going to have to look past things for a for one kind of story if you want to i mean it's like going into a movie and seeing it rated pg-13 you know you know Mm -hmm. like you've got to assist your kids watching this movie you know like adult supervision is required yes you're going to go see hamilton you're going to be taking you know your kid who might be 12 or 13 to go see it this will open up the conversation on the way home to talk about, you know, the reality of certain things that they didn't go over in the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, this is a good starting off point for anyone who wants to learn more about history. Yeah. And I think, I think it raises some good questions. Like I feel like everything that it's getting flack for, it shouldn't really be getting flack for, but it is bringing up this issue of, listen, this is what the country was founded on. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what, um, 
this is what it was back then. For better or worse, this is what the world that they lived in. Yeah, and and that's something that got brought up during that Zoom call that what they had that like special like thirty minute thing after the fact. Mm-hmm, I yeah. think it was uh, I forget exactly who it was, but they said it was like two hundred years ago. The country was founded on ideals, and those ideals have not been fully. Uh, have not been fully implemented to end to everybody in this country yet. We're still working on it. It's still flawed. You had this perfect idea for government and a society built by flawed men. Yeah. And because of that, it is flawed. You had a perfect idea and it's flawed because the people who founded it were flawed and so are we. And it's going to be a forever task to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, a lot of the stuff that it's being dinged for not bringing up, it does bring up in other ways. And I think it's doing its job where it is at least getting a conversation started that shows the whole part of these men that were flawed. And it shows their flaws. And it's at least starting that conversation of saying, okay, maybe George Washington wasn't the perfect person that we thought he was. Let's talk about that. Hamilton was my springboard for it. That's not a bad thing. Like, it's not a bad thing to be. I mean, it's not like showing, oh, gosh, like Disney's Song of the South and then having a conversation from that where it, like, glorified anything. It's just, hey, we're bringing up these points. We're not going to delve into it. You talk about that later. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason that it got released when it did was so we could have this conversation. Agreed. I think it's important to have. Uh, and I also think it goes hand in hand with the fact that Disney just signed a deal with with uh, uh, with Kaepernick. Yeah, exactly. And they're, and they're getting a ton of flack for it. And when I saw that signing, I'm like, oh, that's why they released Hamilton, because I knew that, you know, that people had had not issues with it. But it, but, you know, it made these conversations happen, even even when it was, you know, even when Obama was the president. Yeah. These conversations, people having these issues with Hamilton, they were there then too, and people were having those conversations. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of people had seen it yet; just a handful that were able to see it in theaters. So the conversation was small, and it was in small groups. Now that anybody can watch it that has Disney Plus, now it's a bigger conversation. Yeah. Yeah, the education value of this <clears throat> is just as important important as the entertainment value. Yeah, I agree. So, um, so, okay, here's, while we're on this topic then, did you guys actually learn anything from this? Like, aside from like, oh, Hamilton's life outside from being, being shot, like that's kind of the day. Like, did you actually take something away from it that you're like, I didn't really know that in school. Interesting. I didn't know that Hamilton had a crap life before he actually came to the U.S. And I also mm-hmm. didn't realize that him and Washington were so close. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that either. I just knew he was on the $10 bill. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, definitely that for me. I also, just in general, I didn't know he was an immigrant. Like, as, as weird as that sounds. Like, I think I just pictured all of these as like, you know... Corn-fed American-raised people just wanting what they want. Like I didn't know that he was an immigrant. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, I also didn't know that Martha Washington named her cat after him. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> 
Well, whether it's true or not, I, I'm taking it as truth. It's my truth now. Okay. It's my headcanon. The fact that he leaned in and said, that's true, like to the audience, I feel like that was a footnote he read somewhere and he was like, yeah. this is true. And he just went with it. I, w- I was reading the Hamilton Revolution book yeah. before we did this, just to glance through it. And I stopped on um, the first King George song and he says, I'll go like, without you. I'll go mad. Mm-hmm. And there's an annotation there. And I just look at it. It's like, he did like, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's the, that's the only note there. It's like, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that fits tonally. All right. So the one thing too, that I'm learning more and more, and I caught a couple of these in my first couple listens is that it makes references to a lot of stuff almost all of the time. And I'm pretty bad at catching references unless somebody goes, this is it. Look at it. But I caught one when I first listened to it. And that's at one point, And I forget what stage it is or what song it is. But at one point he goes, I think it's during the Adams administration song. He goes, sit down, John. Uh, and that's a reference to 1776, the musical, which I thought was really cool. Did, did you guys catch any references at all? The jaw rule thing that I talked about before. Yeah. Um, there's a DMX reference, the meet him inside, meet him inside, meet him, meet him inside. That's a DMX reference. Oh. Um, and wa- watching the credits to the end on my second viewing, I realized there's a lot of references to like musically to stuff. Oh yeah. In this, like just looking at the credits for the music, I didn't really, I couldn't really see what they were, but it was like features samples from. Oh so, wow. Like, yeah. Um, but no, I picked up on the seventeen seventy six one. Yeah. Um. My, I think my favorite reference is um, when he's writing the letter to Angelica. Like, I'm going to name a Scottish tragedy without naming the play, and then just like Macbeth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there it is. <laughs> like, the, here's a Broadway loophole, so I can say Macbeth on stage. Exactly. I'm not naming the play. I'm naming the character. Like, <laughs> I guess that's how that works. You did it. You found it. Yeah. Ryan, how about you? Did you pick up on anything? Moana. Moana? Really? There were... No, I don't know if it was supposed to be a purposeful reference. It's probably because it's Miranda, or... How do you say his name again? Because I stutter over it all the time. You got it. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Miranda. I'll just call Miranda. Um... It's probably because it's Miranda, and it's because some of the actors who were in the play also voiced and sang for Moana. Mm-hmm. Um, like half like half of the songs in Hamilton, like for seriously, half for for half of the almost four hours I was watching this thing, I was getting flashes of the crab of Moana oh, singing yeah. on the on uh, um, is on the boat, the way that the music hit, um, the pausing and in, in the lyrics, it all reminded me of Moana. So I don't know. So so I don't know if, if that's just a stylistic thing of his in the music, and because I think it's the actress who plays his wife, she sang for the character of Moana. I think because I was looking stuff up on Google, or she, she did something. She was in it. Yeah, she was definitely in it. Yeah, she, she and was so in was Moana. George Washington. I think George Washington was the dad. George Washington was the dad's singing voice. Yeah. The, yeah. the talking voice was Django Fett. 
Oh, okay. Weird. But the actress who played his wife in Hamilton, yeah. was she, she, she either sings or something because her voice according was... To, according to IMDb, she is not in it. Okay, well, somebody is. Because I, I, I remember looking up and seeing oh, that. Oh, wait, I she is. She, yeah. Okay. So it looks like a bunch of people from Hamilton were like miscellaneous crew. So they were probably like ensemble voices. Okay. So, I mean, so like, I think uh, the king or somebody was singing and it reminded me of the crab. Like yeah. some, somebody was singing and I'm like, that's the voice of the crab or that sounds like the voice of the crab. So, I mean, all of my ref, you know, like that was probably just stylistic stuff of his. And I think we're going to see, he, yeah, I think we're going to see that a little more when In the Heights comes out. Because that's also another musical that he did. And, I mean, some of it's very similar. He definitely has a style. Yeah, his style likes to um, take a style that's well-known, like um, like the Crab song in Moana, Shiny. Like, that's a David Bowie song. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and, like, we talked about the Ja Rule Ashanti thing. Um, like he takes the, the style and makes it his own in context. And I'm really excited for in the Heights. Oh, me too. Um, it's going to have, um, Anthony Ramos who played, um, John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton. Oh, that's cool. So which scene in Hamilton hit you guys the hardest? Yeah, this is going to be a weird one. Um, when they were singing to their uh, the song "My Son," basically, when he was singing to Philip and Burr was singing to Theodosia. Dear Theodosia. Yeah, like oh yeah, dear Theodosia. That was it. Yeah, that one, that one got me way harder than I thought it would. Ryan, how about you? Uh, I think just the wait for it thing. Yeah. Okay. Because the thing is, like, I'm trying to think back on it now, and everything's a blur. Because I've only just seen this once, and I've never right. listened to, to 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 the soundtrack before. And wait for it. If I remember correctly, I think I remember sitting there going, "Yeah, I feel this." Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's the emotion. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's when Philip dies. Yeah. Just that Eliza's <clears throat> yell. It's just. Like that song gets me every time. Like when I listen to it, sometimes I'll just skip that song because it's just so hard to listen to. Yeah. Um, I mean, this whole musical packs a lot of pretty, I mean, even when you find out that I can't remember who he was, but it's the same actor that plays his son when he dies. And that part's not on the, the album. Like it's not, that part's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, the reason they didn't put, they did not put that on the album is because they wanted people who see the show to have a moment yeah. with that. Like you don't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Even though they say at the beginning, I died for him. Like they never, sh- you never hear that on the soundtrack. Right. You see it in the show. Um, and, so, and this is, uh, and this kind of rolls into why I never listened to the soundtrack prior mm-hmm. to this or never really searched it out because to me like I love musicals. I do. I like the movie 9. Amazing. I like Chicago. I like Moulin Rouge. Um oh, there was another one on the tip of my tongue and I just lost it. Um but anyway, I to me they go hand in hand. The visual and the music go together. Mhm. 
And that's why I've never listened to the soundtrack before. And it's because of kind of what you guys are talking about. And it's, I mean, like, yeah, you could listen to the whole thing, but you don't get the visual cues of the other half of the conversation. It's almost like walking by somebody in the grocery store and they're talking on their phone, not on speakerphone. They're actually talking to somebody on their phone and you can't hear and you cannot hear the other side of the conversation. To me, that's what it's like listening to a musical without actually watching it. I get that. And that, yeah, I completely get that, too. Um, For me, it's the just imagining what's going on, like. For King George, like I always thought during You'll Be Back that he's like prancing around the stage when he's singing, but instead you get this, uh, you just get him standing there. But it works doing so these well. Subtle, it, it works so well. Um, so it kind of plays with your expectations just, just listening to it. Believe it or not, that actually worked against me the first time I saw it. Because from the <clears throat> second I heard the recording, I loved the, I loved the song Wait For It. And I in my mind, I was coming up with all of this choreography for it and like what it could look like on stage. And it's this like big, huge number. And in the show, it's a, it's more subdued. It's very much more, or it's less than what I had in my mind. And the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, I don't think I like that portrayal of Burr because wait for it wasn't as big as it was in my mind. But seeing this, that's just how that is. It's just supposed to be, it's not supposed to be this huge overblown thing. Like I thought it was going to be, and I now like appreciate that more, but at that point it like almost hurt me because my expectation was so much more. Okay. Yeah. So I think the closest thing that I could probably describe kind of having the same, that like same deal, uh, the movie nine, um, uh-huh. one of the first songs in it, you've got this Italian director and he's on the phone and he's got somebody, you know, like trying to take care of him, and he's on the phone with his mistress and you get the song between him and her and him trying to like, you know, like keep on rolling away from the person, you know, like with them. Um, Uh I, that was the only song that I heard prior to actually watching the movie. And I had this idea in my head that, okay, are they talking on a phone? Um, Mm -hmm. Are they writing a letter to each other? You know, is, is how are they communicating? And I thought it was just them, like, in the same room, like, between a wall or something. Yeah. And then when you actually see it, it's, no, he's being treated by a doctor on the bed, and he's trying to talk in code over the phone to his mistress, and she's, you know, doing, like, the whole, like, almost, like, phone sex thing. Oh, yeah. And the actress is doing, like, a rope dance at the same time for, like, the visual aspect of it. And it's just... Since then, I have never, I was like, I'm not listening to a musical without watching it because it's a total package. So, yeah. So was there anything that you guys didn't like about this? Because I have probably, thinking back on like something I didn't like about Hamilton, it is probably the most Devin complaint I could ever have about this musical. And you guys are going <laughs> to hate me for Bring it. Bring it. But I want to know if you guys, it. Okay. I didn't like the fact that rewind is an anachronism at all. It took me so long to just get over that because the second Angelica Schuyler goes rewind, I go, didn't have VCRs back then. She wouldn't know what rewinding is. That was my complaint. I dead serious. It took me so long to be comfortable with that song because I'm like, why would she know what rewinding is? Cassette tapes aren't a thing. They didn't rewind record players. Stop it. 
Okay. I so told for you. Anybody, so, okay. So, so for people listening right now, I'm literally like my hands are, are on the top of my glasses covering my eyes. And Alan is holding his mouth with his head down, literally holding like, his I'm, face up. <laughs> I'm just like trying to figure out how do we, ca- how do we just cancel this podcast guys, completely? Guys, I got like, better. I got oh over it. Okay. Eventually I was like, you know what? I get it. It's fine. I need to not focus on this thing. But like originally that was my big problem with it. And now if I were to cite any problems, it would be that occasionally in the first act, they throw in a couple of lines that are very much like the one line I hate from the Patriot where uh, someone goes to sit down next to this one lady in the Patriot and she goes, it's a free country or at least it will be. And I think that's so lame, but they do that a couple times, and it's just like is, ugh, a little cringy. But like I'm, I'm past the rewind thing, guys. I've moved on. I'm better. It's it's Mel Gibson's character's sister-in-law telling Mel yep. Gibson that when he asked her. I just wanted to. I just wanted to clarify. That it hurts every time. Person. I'm glad that we all watched The Patriot in, <laughs> in in history class. We can't do an episode uh, on it. Uh, um. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I hated the I fact that like. it was the same set throughout the entire thing. Okay. That's fair. I love that. <laughs> and that, and, and, and um, you know what? That's fine. I am not a theater like geek or yeah. like, cause mm-hmm. I mean, like you said that you were, you said that you were a theater kid. I never was. Mm-hmm. So to me, like when I go see a play, I like maybe one or two scene sets, you know, where they like, you know, like it goes dark. They, they, you know, like they change the whole stage in like five seconds because everything's on rollers. You know, I possibly would have liked it if they, you know, during their, you know, like meetings during, you know, it's like during their rap battles that maybe it would go dark for like three seconds and then they would come to and, because, I mean, like, the chairs were on the edge of the stage almost. They could mm-hmm. have easily brought in two fake walls real quick that looked like the inside of Independence Hall in Philadelphia. I, I, the reason you can't do that, though, is because of the turntable. They don't need because to be how compl- No, but you, like, you can't do that turntable going separate ways and have a wall on that. No, 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 no. Okay, so... What I'm talking about is that it looks like the warehouse that mm-hmm. it is the uh-huh. entire time. During those rap battles, the floor didn't move at all. The screen goes dark, and they just wheel out two walls real quick that connect together, and then they can be pulled back. I'm not talking about anything that's okay. fixed. See, I really like the minimalist approach of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I haven't seen many shows on stage. I've seen a minimalist uh, performance of Sweeney Todd, and it was horrible. Oh, no. Um, But I really appreciate that this show at its core is minimalist. Mm -hmm. Like, you can build the railways up above and just have that that balcony. Um, Like, this would be easy f- without the round table. This would be easy for a high school production to do, which eventually will happen, mm-hmm. um, which will be interesting. <clears throat> um, I don't know if I want to see it. I'm going to be honest. But yeah, the minimal, the Sweeney top performance I saw, I, there's two things I remember. Uh-huh. Um, 
we were in like the first and second row and we got spit on because of Sweeney Todd. Like he just spit on, it was with the choir. So a bunch of like a bunch of people down a few seats down from me just got spit on. Ooh. Like he was like, you there, how about a shave? And it's like, whoa, okay, buddy. <laughs> no thanks. And then when they slit the throats, it was just a ribbon. Oh. Like they just did a ribbon and it just like came out and did like a, a fall away thing like ribbons do. <laughs> And it's like, eh, Jersey Girl did it better. Uh. Yeah. I uh, I ended up seeing a minimalist production of something called Our Town, which I feel like is a really bold thing to do uh, a minimalist production of because it's a it's just a dramatic play about a whole town. And the only props they had were two chairs. But they made the whole set feel like the town. And when I think back on it, I remembered the town. And it's similar to Hamilton. Like when I think back on it, I don't really remember like what the stage looks like i remember the hospital bed that his son died on i remember the theater that they showed i remember burr's front door like i don't remember you know oh the rafters of the stage or the side of the stage and and i think it does a good job of letting me fill that in and that's you know and and that's great and that's the sign of a good play and Mm. that's what hamilton is i mean even though yes i didn't like the fact that it took place all in one warehouse because that's all i could see Mm -hmm. like the way that that is lined up all i saw was a warehouse yeah but that's me so that's just one of those things i saw it as a ship as a ship really okay again something that's completely out of place that's what kind of i was going for because i kept on thinking to myself why are they doing this whole thing in a, in a warehouse? But anyway, mm-hmm. um, they're acting, the performance, the round table, the way that they use the lights, the way that they uh, used extras, it worked. And I will admit that it works, even though I didn't necessarily like the fact that the set didn't change. Sure. And that's fair. It's not it's not a style for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's a that's the great thing about theater is it can be interpreted and film in general. Like it can be interpreted different ways and you can like, we can have a conversation like this where we all have different things that we liked and didn't like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we do, you guys have any other thoughts before we wrap this up? Cause I have one thing that I want to end on. Go for it. I don't, I think I love this musical. I'm going to watch it again, probably tonight. Okay. I mean, so I have a question about the oh Ryan, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it again. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when because I really like for hype to die down before I take part in certain things. <laughs> and if it wasn't for this podcast, I would definitely be waiting for like a few months before watching this, to be honest. Sure. And, and actually, sure. Kristen's going to be waiting a few months herself before she watches this. <laughs> She's willing to wait for it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, it's, it's, no, no, no. Okay. okay. Uh, actually, that was good that he said that because that's exactly why. Because when she wants, because when people ask her at work, hey, have you seen this? She wants to be able to say, no, I haven't. So she can avoid that whole conversation with somebody who is overly obsessed with it because she might like it and just like it and doesn't want to yeah. spend five minutes talking about it. And she wants to avoid um, that by not being able to see it until people stop asking. I get that. No, she, I, I really hope that she's just responding. No, but I have watched all of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. <laughs> and she has. <laughs> she has. Arguably she more has. important. <laughs> all right. So I've got a question before, before we end this, mm-hmm. and it's about the very end of the show. Okay. 
how did you guys interpret Eliza's gasp at the very end before the, the curtain call? I've never thought about it until now. It, did she die of natural causes? Like, like, did she die of I a heart attack know. or drown or something? She, she lived for another 50 years. Yeah. So I'm assuming yeah, she died at like 97. Age. I took that as her dying. If I yeah, had to put here. if I had to put a pin in it, it would be if this was her an encapsulation of her life. Like it was the same kind of cutaway that they did to Alexander Hamilton when he was dying and was kind of like ruminating, like, did I do enough? This is what a legacy is. It's her doing the same thing on her deathbed. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how I interpreted it at first. And then I saw something on the internet that made me think. It's like, oh, that's an interesting take on this. So during that that ending, mm-hmm. the line they keep saying, "Who tells your story? Yeah. Who tells your story?" The interpretation that I saw is in that moment when Hamilton comes back on stage, Lin Manuel Miranda is no longer playing Hamilton. He's Lin Manuel Miranda. He smiles at Eliza, takes her hand, and shows her the show. And that gasp is her reacting to someone telling her story. Oh shoot! I really like that. I like that, but I'm still going with the fact that she's dead. I don't know. I I, I want to watch it again to see like how well that holds up. But I like that a lot. There, there's a moment where he just gives her this smile that I just have seen on Lin Manuel Miranda, like in reaction to like Weird Al doing the Hamilton polka. <laughs> that that looks like Lin Manuel Miranda. So like watching it again, I was like that. I really like that. I really, yeah, I mean, that's so I'll cool. admit I like it, too, but I hate the fact when stuff gets cryptic and you find this stuff out online. And it's like I used to think this and it's nothing against you, Alan. I just hate it in general because it happens to me sometimes where I'm like, I think about something and it's always been cemented for me for this. And then I read something online from somebody. It's like, oh, that's actually a really good way to take this. And I hate it when that happens because I want my own belief. So to right. me, she does. She, she, <laughs> to me, she does. To me, she <laughs> dies at the end and that's why she gaps. But I like that theory online. It makes it a lot cooler. Yeah. And it's, you know, like it gives her like a happy ending kind of, Yeah. you know, I think it does. So, so the one thing I did learn from this in just doing research mm-hmm. outside of Hamilton, the musical, I really want to see an Aaron Burr movie. Yeah. That focuses on him, his life after the duel, because he did some crazy ass shit. Mm-hmm. Did he? He tried to find his, like he tried to establish his own country and was like, <laughs> what? He was like, um, accused of treason for that. Oh. And then, when he got a divorce, his wife brought on Alexander Hamilton Jr. as her as her lawyer. Oh, whoa! As a fuck you, yeah. Like it's really like I really want to see this movie. Oh. Like I just want to see a story, the story of Aaron Burr. And I'm not like, sure. If- give me a Coen Brothers film movie about Aaron Burr. Oh, sold. Especially Coen Brothers. No, no, no. Inside Aaron Burr. I want what I want is everybody who is involved in making um oh crap what's the name of it now we we did an episode on it 
Um, happy, uh, happy ever after Hollywood? No. Once no. upon a time in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I want everybody who is involved with that to make the Aaron Burr story. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio as Burr. And yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt is like his best friend or something. They don't have to play the same, you know, like the same type of characters that they that they played in that, you know, just that's what I'd want to see. But besides, like from portraits that I've been seeing of him, like since I watched it, you know, looking him up, like paintings yeah. of him and stuff and like busts, I have to say, like, the dude looked like a weasel. And he was (laughs) like, he is like the embodiment of like somebody who I would not trust. I I need to look him up now. Yeah. Like I would not trust this guy with like, no, I wouldn't like even side profile. Like, and the worst thing is that there's a bust of him. When you look him up on Google uh-huh. And for me, anyway, when you type in his name into Google, you get this like marble white bust of him, and he looks like a cartoon villain. I found it. Yep, and you're not wrong. He looks like a cartoon villain. Like I could definitely see him tying a woman to train tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there are some mighty unflattering pencil sketches of him online. I love it. Yeah, I'm. Lo- I'm looking at pictures online, and it's like. Painting, uh, Hamilton show, Aaron Burr statue painting, painting Wayne Brady, <laughs> painting, painting, <laughs> painting. Okay, so um, something that I wanted to talk about, and we kind of touched on it. Uh-huh. I want to talk about the cast in general. Yes. I love that this play represented everybody in this mm-hmm. country. I love the fact that. George Washington was cast who he was, that Mm -hmm. Burr was cast who he was. I loved that about this because it felt real. Yeah, you have all different um, races represented on stage. I think they put it at one point as America back then as portrayed by America today. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's so effective. And, like, it's not like they didn't even read as them. Like, of anyone that they showed, right, George Washington is the most iconic person, right? Everyone knows his, like, gross teeth and his wooden wig. Everywhere, or his, his wooden wig. His, like, powdery wig and gross teeth. Everyone could picture that. And the actor they got looks nothing like that, but he still reads as Washington on stage. Like, mm-hmm. there was never a point where I was like, I can't buy him as Washington. I just can't. Because you do. And yeah. I think the second most iconic person in this show mm. is Peggy Schuyler. Peggy Schuyler. <laughs> oh, I'm she's Peggy. my favorite. And Peggy. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, that, that, that's a really good point. Like, I, I really do enjoy that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Jonathan Groff playing king george <laughs> nails it nails Which, it i mean that was absolutely perfect oh. like that was that's like home i love i love when he just sits down after uh for the adams administration yep. like that's that's one of my favorite moments of the show he's just enjoying it um, he's like this is going to be a complete disaster yeah. i love it i just love that he okay. hops in on never going to be president now like he has no right being there but he just shows up it's like good mm-hmm <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, I think that does it for this special bonus episode on Hamilton. Um, I say bonus episode because we have another episode coming out later this week. Our crossover episode, our half of the crossover with Victims and Villains, a podcast that I am writing for online, will drop on Friday where we talk about the film Birdman. I forget the year. 2014. Is that right? Or 16. One of those. I think it's 2014. I think you're right. Uh, we talk about Birdman with Josh from Victims and Villains, so make sure to come back for that. Um, in the meantime, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. You can email comments to you have to watch this podcast at gmail.com. Uh, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button wherever you're listening to us. Wherever you're listening to the show, we're on every podcast app that we can think of. If you find one that we're not on, let us know and we'll fix it. Um, until next time for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. Just you wait. So, so, so. so this is what it feels like to match wits with someone at your level. What the hell is the catch? It's the feeling of freedom. Seeing the light has been Franklin with a key and a kite. You see it, right? The conversation lasted two minutes, maybe three minutes. Everything we said in total agreement. It's a dream and it's a bit of a dance. A bit of a posture. It's a bit of a stance. He's a bit of a flirt, but I'm going to give him a chance. I asked about his family. Did you see his answer? His hands started fidgeting. He looked askance. He's penniless. He's flying by the seat of his pants. Handsome boy, does he know it? Peach fuzz, and he can't even grow it. I want to take it far away from this place. Then I turn to see my sister's face, and she is helpless.